just as a reminder, <laughs> although we've uh, been connected with you guys for a while, um, we're the Huntleys, and well, at least I am representing the Huntleys. They do send your greetings. Um, uh, they are actually going to our small group that we've been on and off a part of for about the last 15 or 16 years in our church here in Dallas. And our kids love it. They love the elder who leads it. And we just have a great time going through 1 Corinthians actually right now through it. And our kids uh, love being a part of it. And uh, a lot of different ages, a lot of different people, groups, uh, people there. Uh, but uh, they're there right now. And so um, they do say hello. And Ruth says especially hello to you guys. Um, but we work with Wycliffe Bible Translators, um, serving uh, I'll show you here, uh, well, Peoples of Central African Republic, uh, three particular people groups. Uh, but first, um, just wanted to show you kind of this uh, video uh, that Wycliffe has put out here, uh, just a brief video to just uh, see kind of what we do. Yeah, I love that video. I just saw it a couple of days ago, and it makes me want to sort of sign up all over again. Family, um, this is a... Uh, Ruth, my wife there, uh, here we are. And uh, we start off with two boys, John, Sam, uh, 12 and 11, probably the most distant and distinct personality of two different people I've ever seen. But they, they get along almost all the time, except when they don't. And uh, here we, have, we have the three girls, Lois, who is bright and bubbly and uh, our big extrovert. And then Frida, quiet, and sort of artsy type. And then Ruby, who is a firecracker. Um, <laughs> she is a very strong will, I guess they say. But most of them are, right? I guess most of us are. Yes. But uh, lovely. They're, and uh, we love being around them. It's always exciting and uh, <laughs> full of challenges and full of fun. It's kind of a lot of big helpings of both. This is our family. Um, so one of the first things we want to say is, is thank you for many years of support. Uh, Ruth and I weren't even married when we first met y'all and spoke. And, uh, and so it is, a, it is a, a joy just to say thank you. I look back at one of our old villages home that actually this picture there is where we, where we live, um, starting off with the Bio Project. So it is just a joy to know even before then, you guys were there and prayed for us, and faithfully give. We just want to say thank you. Just giving a quick update of what we're doing. What you see behind there is the, the Bogoto translation team. That's one of the main teams that I'm working with right now. Uh, I'm a translation consultant, and I work with three translation teams, Bogoto, the Manja, the Luto. I work as part of the team in the quality assurance pro process. So right now, a lot of what we're doing is looking through Text that have gone through various forms of basically quality control and making sure that it's clear, accurate, and natural in the language. So, working through these teams. So, um, I work every day with a team nowadays, um, one of these three teams, and we're checking portions of scripture. So, working on Acts, for example, with Bogoto, finishing up Acts, and we're going to be starting Psalms probably on Friday. So, that's a big deal. For us, uh, uh, starting to try to go through and finish that up. The Bogoto in particular, I'm working with them because we're trying to meet a deadline. It's now in April of 2022 
to turn in the manuscript for typesetting for the publication of the New Testament in Psalms, which is a big deal, which is a big, long process. And um, one of the great things about, <laughs> interesting things about being here uh, and not in CAR is that it's allowed us to actually work and finish the work a lot quicker because, because of the availability of consultants. You don't have to meet in person. We can do the same job um, remotely. And so this has allowed us actually to make a lot of progress in uh, these languages and making these available. So pray for us. There's so many pre-publication checks. Uh, I can't go into all the details, but <laughs> there's you know, lists with thousands of items that we have to look through, not just only checking the scripture, but lots of nitty gritty details. So the combined populations of these communities that I work with, about half a million people, which is about 10% of the population of CA. So it's, it's, it's one of these groups that I work with happen to be one of the more larger groups um, as far as minority languages in CAR, which is about 72 different languages. And they're all actually quite viable. They're kind of vibrant. They're being passed on each, except about one or two that are dying. But other than that, the rest of them are quite vibrant. And uh, many new projects are, are going to be started, Lord willing, within the next several years by the National Translation Organization that, that I work with. Like I mentioned, working with the Bokuto team, uh, we just finished checking the Gospels, Paul's letters, and general epistles. Uh, right now, we're going to ask and soon start with Psalms. And uh, in a couple of weeks, working with the Manja team, which is also related language in this large group of languages. And that's, uh, they are, yeah, we're going to be starting on Matthew. So hopefully they just, they just received funding for their project, the Manja, and uh, Lord willing, in the next couple of fiscal years, hopefully publish the New Testament as well, if, if all things go well. And so pray for them, pray for all of that, and many challenges for them. Uh, one of the things just want to throw out there, you guys have been partners with us for many years, and I've worked one of the main, basically main consultants over to the New Testament, and Lord willing, in a couple of years, they're going to have a dedication, um, and you guys have been a part of it. And if anybody who wants to start making plans to <laughs> get a trip to uh, Bangui, which they're going to have two dedications, one in the capital and one in the local area, we would love to go come with us and we'll have, you'll be a part of the, the crew that um, has been a part of that. And uh, Bangui is an exciting place and uh, <laughs> you can come there and check it out. And I'm very serious about that. If anybody would want to, um, love to have you. One of the things I uh, mentioned been about uh, 10 years in CAR and now a change that also that's also not a change at the same time. Um, one of the things that the current security situation and the security protocols that we have set in place, uh, we are not allowed to go back uh, because we have school-aged children that's flowing from security situations, making it a very isolated, which they think is no longer very good for families. Something that we were also feeling as well for our kids that we realized that we couldn't at least live in country uh, even before we had to leave uh, because I wasn't doing well, like we kind of talked about last time. Um, even before then we were thinking we couldn't stay. But thankfully, um, being able to work remotely and work and accomplish a lot, uh, much more than we actually probably could even being in country because some of these teams don't live in the capital and they're inaccessible to me. 
Um, they don't even allow <laughs> UN troops where some of these people are, uh, not unless you're in the port. Uh, so that's that's kind of the situation that have been able to continue to uh, do the same exact work. So one of the things is that we are here um, working and um, being able to work with these teams uh, remotely. And that's kind of what we plan on doing for a long term. Now, one of the interesting bits about that is that we are uh, planning to, if all things are being equal and remote work is remote work, we're actually planning to move to North Carolina. Um, that's one of the interesting bits of continuing to work with teams and making trips out there, yearly trips, but continuing to work every day with teams um, uh, to kind of be beside my mom and dad. And so that's kind of one of the new bits of news, um, which is kind of something not we never thought, imagined would be even close to possible. But so that's one of the things that we're actually looking towards uh, is actually maybe building a little home beside mom and dad to kind of be there with them as well. To kind of be able to do both, both and work with teams. Um, so that's that's kind of the big news. So we're actually looking into that and uh, the first time and looking into <laughs> finances and credit scores, things we didn't know existed until somewhat recently. Anyways, um, just mentioned, yeah, we love you. If, if you don't get our e email updates, you'd like to just let us know and I'll, I'll put you on the list or you can see us on Facebook and click on it and we send out an update. Uh, one of the things I just wanted to mention, you know, uh, a little picture of Albert Durer, actually, one of his uh, famous wood etchings is in the Biltmore House, actually, that rhinoceros, but same guy, he was a friend of Luther, actually. And this is uh, Christ in the garden after the resurrection. And he had two of them beside each other. He had Adam in the garden, and then he had Christ in the garden. This kind of Adam, and first Adam and second Adam, interesting thing, but anyways. Uh, it's, it's just a artwork that I like. But the idea of what is Christ doing? And um, I, I don't know if I've told you this story. I, I just like telling this story of how the scripture is impacting people. It was from the team that we worked with, Bogoto. And after we had checked the book of Genesis, they started teaching it in churches. And one of the ladies came up after them, afterwards. And after going through Genesis 1 and seeing creation, because the way they see how God is, it's quite different than, than we do, and how the world is made up, and why things happen the way they do, and why do bad things happen and to you, and why do good things happen to you. It's very different than what the Bible says, and in general, very different the way most people would think happen in the U.S., and one of the things, it was funny, I, I was reading this story on a report, and they told the story of the lady coming up to them, super excited, I don't know, maybe pastors see this from time to time when somebody's been quite impacted by something you say, and they just say, wow, wow, this is really, you know, this is something that's really, you spoke to me or whatever. I had one of those kind of today at church. I went up to the pastor and he was preaching through First John and, and just the encouragement to pray for one another and our growth, how much comes from just praying for one another. And he was through the text that he was saying, it was really encouraging. I was like, wow, I can pray more for my kids. And man, it was just an, not a guilt, but it was just an encouragement. And uh, this is what this lady was. She was very encouraged. And she said, <clears throat> it would be kind of a hard thing. I, I was reading because the, the translators wrote this story down to kind of to, to tell. And it said, and she said to, I am so excited. She said, now, basically, this is an economy where everyone's, everyone's a farmer, basically. Everyone has a field and that's 
That's where you get a lot of your food from. And she said, I realize that when my crops do well, it's because of God. Now, when you first hear that, it almost sounds almost like a little bit of prosperity teaching or something like that. But to understand where she's coming from, the reason crops do well is because usually there's the local, the local spirit that's in that area is appeased somehow or pleased with you somehow and then makes things fertile. So it's basically just Baal 2.0. Baal was the god of rain and, and, and fertility and all that. This is the same basic thing. And so when she realized after like seeing Genesis 1, that the one who's active in this universe, who created it, and who's continuing to be there through the teaching of a text now that she kind of understood, she realized that God's in, in control of the things that happen in her life, that he's the one that should her trust should be put in and not these other spirits. And so what happened was, is that her whole cosmology sort of got flipped all at once. Her whole understanding of the world was shifted, which is, I mean, how often does that happen to us? Um, I mean, that's a big shift. And that's why she was so excited because now she's putting her trust in something else, in God, who's actually the Lord of the universe, who's the Lord of the Sabbath and all these things. Um, so these are kind of things that happen, of course. And it's, in one way, it's, it's amazing. And in another way, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it's common in one sense that God's word is active in doing these things in our lives, in my life today. A taste of that this morning, listening to the sermon of First John. Yeah, you know, what do we ask according to His will? He give it to us. And how that connects with the verses afterwards of the verse previous, and how that connects with with being with each other, and um, taking care of each other, and, and wanting things to. If there's some sin problem in our life, you can pray for that person. That the connection between those verses, you can look it up later. But that kind of impact that happened to me happened to her. And it's happening all over. And people are very interested. This is not the case in all Bible translation projects. They're very interested in hearing the Bible in their own language and are very, really just take it in, absorb it in. And so these kinds of things matter. They make impact. And so that's always on our mind. Every time we finish checking one of the passages, we stop. We always say, amen. There's kind of this feeling of accomplishment. And then we pray for the people who will read that, because we have this idea that it's not everybody, all the Bogoto people will probably read this chapter or even consider it, but there are going to be some. And we pray that God would, would impress these truths on their hearts. And we pray for them every time. And we, we think that God is gracious to that. And as he has for thousands of years, uh, continue to impact us. So that's kind of what we were doing. And what we think Christ is doing, we see him doing things that he promised to do. So we're bold enough to say, we think Christ is doing this. And he's doing things, of course, we're not aware of. And he always is, which is his prerogative. And we're thankful for him for his lovely and gracious prerogative. Uh, things to pray for us. Uh, pray for stamina and logistics, finishing the Bobico publication, Testament Psalms. Just a lot of work. And a lot of work on the team's end, my end, uh, getting it all together and working with other teams and with any other kind of work, there's always other tasks that their boss gives you <laughs> when you feel, I don't think we have enough time to even do any of this. Well, here's another task. And so uh, just pray for, for, for us and pray for me uh, that as the Bogotos say that God would give us hard eyes 
to look at the text, find the things that need to be changed and the ways it can be improved. Um, and that it would be natural and clear and people could understand it well and, and it's inaccurate. So um, pray for all the translation teams of CR, the protection and encouragement. Um, cannot say that's enough. Just there's so many, so many in a, in a country where, you know, high 50s for a lot of people is, is, is the uh, life expectancy. And so there's just a lot of death. There's a lot of sickness. There's a lot of challenges. And uh, pray for their protection and encouragement. Lovely people. And the fact they stay in it all is, is a wonder. Uh, is God's grace. Uh, pray for us as we go as parents. And as a couple, I guess you would pray for any of us. Um, <laughs> we're, we're always learning and, and wanting to grow uh, to be more and more who God wants us to be. Uh, and plan as we move to North Carolina. Lord willing, we're looking into that and trying to get that all settled out. And it's a big, so kind of working and maybe trying to get a home built. So we'll see if that's even crazy or possible. What well, is crazy, but uh, we'll see how <laughs> that does. So yeah, as, as, as my cousin always said, if you never had marital problems, just try to build a house like you're doing and you can, you can get a fresh setup. And so, so pray for us as we do that. Um, uh, and then I just kind of, any questions or comments? Um, yeah, it's very, I'm very informal. I'm, yeah. Screen sharing here. I can figure out how to do it. Adam, what kind of needs do you have that you see uh, insofar as staying in the ministry or doing your work? Um, sorry if my screen is sharing here. Okay. I can stop that. <laughs> That didn't work, did it? That's okay. Um, I'm sorry, what's the question again? I'm sorry, I was. Do you have any special needs or anything, uh, financial needs or other things that, that uh, I know we have a prayer list of things to pray for and stuff like that, but uh, any particular needs that come to mind? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I could say we, there's always, there's always need for regular support. <laughs> I guess I would add that. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, there's always need for regular support. We, um, there's always some amount of people who support us. Uh, one lady who we've never met, who's 102 years old in Oregon, wow. who we've never met. And we communicate only by letter. And she said, well, she says, I'm getting old. She said, and my kids are taking over and I don't think they're gonna let me. <laughs> support you guys anymore so she was a supporter now we, we we've been able to talk to her and encourage her and write to her but so yeah that's kind of a normal part of things that people can support and then for whatever reason so there's always kind of a need to for that that we could say um, as far as just one-time cost um, there's nothing currently right now um, <laughs> you guys want to help us move when we're Lord willing, get over that. That's a while yet. That's a while yet. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, that's that's all that I can think of. Well, we appreciate what you're doing. Your work very important. Yeah. Well, it, it is. It's it's a joy to it's a joy and fun fun thing to do. And I think when we work with the teams, we usually have this sense of 
well, it's kind of a privilege to kind of do what we do. Not everybody gets to do this. And so we're trying to be faithful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have the land already for your house? We do. We do. It's actually a portion of land. It's right beside my parents. So there's, they have several acres. And so they're giving us some that we can build right beside them. Well, it was kind of a wake-up call when we actually, my dad, he's cutting down, he was cutting down some trees because they had a tree actually fall in their car. And he's cutting down some of these kind of weaker pines uh, just kind of around the house. <clears throat> and we're there. And he said, well, I'm trying to cut down all the trees that'll give us problems in 10 years because he said, in 10 years, I probably won't be able to do this work anymore. And uh, he just turned 69 two days ago. And so um, it just kind of hit me of... Uh, this is, this is a couple of years ago. Uh, it'd be good to be there with my folks before there's any kind of emergency. And having the ability to do that and continue to do the work is uh, is, a, is a great grace for us. Yeah. Having some good babysitters is a plus too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. It's kind of funny because you know we we I grew up around here, you know, in Fletcher, but I most of my adult life I've been away. And, you know, and so it'd be fun to come back. And one of the things, you know, we've been talking, we've already been talking about making sure that we're have regular times together, but also try to make sure we have good boundaries and everyone's on the same page of <laughs> what everyone's comfortable with. So we don't bug each other too much, but enjoy each other. Yeah. What about uh uh, Ruth, what does what does she do during the day? Does she um, are the kids homeschooled? Are they in school? Or? That's a good question. I, I didn't really get into that much. I know before she she worked with the women. You know when you were there, worked with the women and and ministered to the women there. And said, so I was just wondering if her role has changed or what, well, what is she doing? In, in one way, it's it's changed. <laughs> she kind of does that wherever she goes. She she kind of helps out people in, in many ways she can. She's a bit that way. She's a bit Dorcas-like in that sense. Or Tabitha, which sounds a lot nicer. Uh, but just always helping out. But no, she uh, she's still doing our homeschooling. And so one of the things she actually does, uh, she does homeschool for our kids. And she's actually directing a homeschool co-op of several families. Um, so she's kind of director and running that. And so she's busy with all the kids and everything that's involved with that. And on Wednesdays, they have the homeschool co-op, which I'm actually teaching a little bit on. So I have an hour class that I teach fifth to seventh graders. I'm going to teach them New Testament survey, which is fun. So we're going to be going over the New Testament together. And all the parents are just kind of teaching something that they like. So we have Boy Scout skills. And I'm teaching New Testament survey. We have a lady, a mom who's an art major. So she's teaching drawing. Anyways, so so she's involved with everything with our kids. And yeah, was always connecting with ladies in our church. And yeah, she's <laughs> she's always doing something good. She's always cooking up some kind of help for somebody. Yeah. All right. Any more questions? Okay. All right. This, well, this is one 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Translators. And we used to have those meetings in Asheville down every year. And they've got with Aaron, who was kind of like our representative, and said they're not going to be having those anymore because of this COVID stuff. You see these meetings coming back again? These open meetings? Were they kind of like dinners where you go and. Correct. Dinners and stuff, updates. That was really good to go to every year. Well, I know I didn't. Um, yeah, I haven't heard much. I wouldn't know necessarily what what the local I mean, groups the are doing there. Doing it for like, a gentleman who was doing it for like twenty years, I guess. They, oh, okay. Uh, uh, took his job away. He said, "You know, we're not going to be doing this anymore," and he went oh. to go get a second job. But I mean, he was mm -hmm. always doing that uh, touring the United States, and they said they're going to stop doing that. I thought that was a great thing to have. They really did yeah. a visual update. They usually have uh, a speaker from another country come and give a presentation on their particular country and translations and stuff. It was real good to have, but I guess they stopped it. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about those. I've never been to one. Ruth has been yeah. to one. But yeah, I yeah. We're in charge of Wycliffe, I figured I'd ask you. <laughs> so I like to say, I've... I'm in charge of nothing, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Said I've I've heard a lot of people over the years speak well about that too. Sorry to hear that they're not doing it. Are all those books behind you? Are those Dr. Seuss or what? Uh, actually, some is Dr. Seuss. I'm, I'm looking right here. It's actually Dr. Seuss. So this is mostly our uh, homeschool storage. <laughs> This is mostly our homeschool store, homeschool book storage. So it, it looks really scholarly, but yeah, it's mostly Dr. Seuss. I have one little thing over here, and just that top shelf is my. That's all I use. That's all me. The rest is just <laughs> school books for kids. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You look like a proud papa, buddy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad the family's doing good. I'm glad the family's doing good. We are doing well. We are doing well. I think it's. Um, just we we visited family and in North Carolina briefly and Minnesota and we just got back and I think getting back in the routine and rhythm it's kind of like the Berenstein Bears too much vacation I think we're all ready to get back settled down into into uh, our rhythm yeah. any other questions. We're good. Well, let's uh, let's just kind of we can hop in briefly here to uh, Psalm 19. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can get Psalm 19 here, and I'll read it from the as the Hebrew title for the Book of Psalms is the is the Kefir Tefillim, the Book of the Praises, which is an interesting title for a book of these kinds of different kinds of songs, which actually, of course, were sung. And certain traditions and Scottish traditions, of course, do sing them. The Scottish metrical songs, if you've never looked at them, uh, they're set to rhyme and meter. And you can actually, it's a bit old school language, but of course, in David's time, they were sung. And it is interesting that they're called the Book of Praises. Some of them are obviously that, Psalm 100 or Psalm 150, these kind of very exuberant psalms of 
of praising God, looking at his greatness, the king of creation. But then some of them are like Psalm 88, where it ends with darkness is my closest friend. And then the psalm ends, not, and then the Lord lifted me up out of the sadness. And some days, that's part of your song of praising to God that you recognize that at the end of the day, it's still sad. It's still dark. He's there. And God knows. And then we come to psalms that are more instructive. Psalms talking about wishing judgment. God would bring judgment on his enemies. A variety of things which are just called the praises. Because even in all these difficult and various times, they're directed towards him. That he knows who we are. He knows where we are in our reality, where we are in our lives. He's there. He's the same. He's the same before he made Saturn. He's immutable. He doesn't change. And his goodness is there. And, uh, and so we're going to read one of these little tefillim, one of these praises, one of these songs that David wrote. Dear David. That warrior poet king. Let's read Psalm 19. To the choir master, Psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man, runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. <clears throat> In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults and keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and everything. This is the word of the Lord. One of the uh, if I were to, since I've had this history with you guys, if I were to at some point go, all right, guys, I want you to break off into groups. Um, I want you to write an essay about me. 
and specifically the things that you've heard from me and uh, how great it's been for you to listen to me. All right, I want you to go out there. If you can, write in any way you want. Write a poem. Write a, write a book if you want to. Write a chapter. Write an essay. Whatever genre that you want, I want you to write about how good it is to hear and know about me. Moi. And I, if I were to say that, that would be, of course, pretty ridiculous and um, megalomaniac. And of course, you're wondering, why is this guy speaking to us at all? Um, but here, this is exactly what it is, but about God. It's not megalomaniac of God, of David, or, or God, even in his word, to point people towards himself. Actually, it's the most loving thing in our church this morning. Our liturgical focus that we focused on was supreme joy, supreme, no, uh, sorry, it was supreme uh, savior, no, yeah, supreme savior, superior joy. And what basically that was talking about is if God is to love us, to give us the greatest thing that we need, he's sort of stuck with giving us of himself, right? Because he is the greatest and most wonderful thing that we need and will satisfy our souls the deepest of anything. And so for God to show himself is actually the most loving thing he can do. And so we're in his word, we have David in two ways wanting us to talk about how God, he's talking about how God has revealed himself. Now, one of the first things that I uh, think is always important when you're reading the Bible and looking at it is you got to understand the, I'm going to borrow a word from C.S. Lewis, the quiddity of a text. Now, the quiddity, it's from quid, uh, from, uh, from Latin, and it's sort of the whatness of it, the fact that it's there, the fact that something's there means something. Like if you ever see a sign, you know, that, you know, you're at an aquarium and it says a sign on the side of the aquarium, children, do not grab and eat the goldfish. What, think about the quiddity of that sign. What does that mean? The fact that it exists. That means that there have been children in the past who are scooping up goldfish and eating them, right? And one of the things that we look at, the quiddity, this kind of passage here in verse in, in 19, is that we need to be amazed, at least David thinks so, because he wrote this for the congregation to be sung about God's revelation. And that's kind of what this passage is about, this whole psalm is about. Um, if I were to give, uh, here's my sort of outline. If you look at verses one through six, we're going to want to say general revelation. And then seven through 10, special revelation, how it affects us. And then verses 11 through 14, our response to that. Now, one of the things that David, let's look at the first section, general revelation. Now, that's usually sort of a theological term that basically means God revealing himself in a way that pretty much everybody has some access to. So, for example, I work with Wycliffe. Not everybody has access to the Bible in the language that they know. But everybody does have the sun. Everybody does have the trees. And one can look around. In that sense, theologians usually describe this kind of revelation of who God is as general. And let's look at it. And this is exactly what David is saying. Now, this is... <clears throat> Uh, the heavens, verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. So there's something about looking up at the sky, 
looking at and seeing glory or wonder or something that's amazing that shows the greatness of the thing. It's actually a very hard translation thing to, con to translate. We always have this problem because it can mean different things, but it's usually sort of connected to the greatness of something. It has different meanings, different contexts. But here, there's something about looking up at the sky. Now, David, of course, spent a lot of time as a shepherd, as a young kid, out in the Judean wilderness around Bethlehem. I've been there before, and it's, it's kind of a desolate place. You know, he's dangerous place, you know, back then, especially with lions and, and uh, various things. And he had plenty of time to look around. And he's just looking at things around him and is absolutely amazed. In fact, he's going to write some poetry here. He's going to look at the sun and try to get us. He's trying to feel the glory through his poetry. Let's look at this. So he, he just starts out saying, there's glory all around you. Just look up. Something that could fill your heart with wonder of the one who is eternal and all-powerful. You can learn something and feel that wonder if you just have eyes and if you just look up, at least outside. <laughs> and then he says this. He says, day to day, speaking. Verse 2, and night to night reveals knowledge. In the daytime, in the nighttime, he's looking at things like the sun and at night looking at the moon, the stars, shooting stars. If you've never been a place like, well, one of the great things about CAR Tough things about CAR is there's hardly any electricity. One of the great things is that there's no light to obstruct your view of the sky. And you can see the Milky Way. It looks like a cloud. And I always point up to the boys and I go, boys, that's not a cloud. That's billions of stars. And each of them have a name. Amen. Um, and it speaks of something of the immense power and immense scale of Amen. who we're talking about, that this was done with ease. This was done with the word, with a, with a will. I have a will to do all sorts of things that I can't accomplish. But God can do it with his word, with the will. And it speaks something of Romans 1, Paul talks about, you can look around at creation and see that God's powerful. Because it's this notion of quiddity. Everyone kind of has this idea. This didn't come from nothing. Um, except the theory of, of, of some Western scholars who think that. However, most people in the world don't believe that. <laughs> if you go outside of the Western world, most people don't believe in evolution. They believe in some form of creation, some supernatural power. And that's what we deep down believe, uh, unless we're educated. About it. And then still deep down, we believe it. But anyways, and he keeps on going with the extent of this, is, is this notion of gender revelation. Verse four, their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world in him, and so we have this speaking that's happening, this revelation. And it's like these things, even though they don't talk, they're impersonal. The Bible doesn't present the sun as a living thing, as some religions would say. It doesn't, uh, uh, God's not, we don't, we're not pantheists. Not everything is God, although God is behind thing, everything. They're not God. The stars aren't God. But they're saying something. The fact that they're there shows us. And then David, in his poetic language, compares the sun to a couple things. It's kind of like David is so amazed by the sun. It's, it's kind of like we don't see it. You know, you, you get used to things, how you, you can't see things. 
G.K. Chesterton, and I was reading a, a book by G.K. Chesterton recently, and he was talking about the function of fairy tales. And he said, fairy tales, this is his Christian point of view on fairy tales, is it wakes us up to the wonder of the actual story that we actually live in, the story that God's writing in the world that he's created. He said this interesting quote, he goes, fairy tales make the rivers run with wine so that we might for a moment be amazed that they run with water. And that all the amazing things that are around us, of this amazing God who did not have to make them the way they are, it's there. And it speaks of his kindness and of his variety and his creativity and of his immense power that can amaze us if we hop out of our, what we're used to and see the amazement and wonder that's around us in people and in flowers and in stars and in galaxies and in water. And in all these things around us, rhododendrons, flowers, it's all there. And he says, it's like, he says, in, a, in them, he's, he's talking about the sky. He said, he has set a tent for the sun. And what he's imagining here is the sun, how it travels across the sky over the day. And he compares it first. He says, it's like it comes out, in other words, in the morning and dawn, like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. It's a, it's a guy on his wedding day. Now, back in the day when all your cloth had to be drop spindled and then hand woven, clothes were pretty expensive things. They're fairly cheap in most of the world's economy today, relatively. Back then they were not, they were very, very expensive. And so on the most, one of the most important days of your life as a young man getting married, you're gonna be dressed about as nice as you are probably gonna be the rest of your life. You probably had special clothes made for this and you're young. And frankly, when you're younger, you're a, bit, a little bit better looking. And this is a bridegroom, the most important day, the nicest clothes in a place where it's hard to wash clothes and soap is not easy to come by and probably really white or something, just really nice. And you're about as good looking as you're ever going to be, <laughs> probably. For this day, young, vibrant, beautiful clothes shining in the most beautiful this person this God has made is ever going to be and he comes out and there he is shining in all his glory this young man and he said that's what the tents like. that's what the sun's like every morning see David had his eyes wired to see the wonder around him and he saw the sun and he's trying to through his poetic kind of way of bringing things. I was reading Shakespeare in Hamlet the other day, and he said, poetry is a bridge to try to get something that's wonderful and invisible through a means of, of a metaphor to make it glorious and wonderful. And he says, it's a bridge to see glory. And it's the same thing. That's, like, that's what David's trying to do here. He's actually writing a poem to try to get us to see it with him. He, he, that's what he's trying to do. He's writing a poem. He's like, it's, it's like a bridegroom. It's like this most glorious thing is coming out. It shines and it just pops above the trees. And that first light hits your eyes, right? It's this glorious thing. And then he says, it's like a strong man. This man who runs a race all day <laughs> and goes it over the sky. That's why he's a champion runner here. It's like a marathon runner. Someone who's the most strong, most powerful runner that of course, David, a man, most of his mighty men, they talk about how strong they were, even how good of runner some of them were. 
He's like, he's like, oh, he's like, he runs like a gazelle. This is one of the most things David values, of course, in these warrior honor cultures, is powerful strength. He says, what the sun does. And he says, and it happens every morning. The most beautiful display. And it tells of the glory of God. It's rising. It's from the end of the heavens. And it's circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And while it's running, it's shining and gives life. Wow, amazing. David's blown away. You can read other Psalms where David's amazed that God makes the grass grow so the cattle can eat it. And he talks about this kind of interconnectedness of the world that we live in, that grass grows, cattle eat it, they live, we get milk from it. And it's just, and he's blown away. And one of the lessons that we can get from this is that we should be blown away. We should have our eyes open to glory around us. It's okay. Go out to Cades Cove, see the elk. It's okay. It's worth it. It's worth it. And you can learn something about that. But then in all that wonder and all that glory that people write poems about for the last centuries in different languages, seeing the amazing world around them, even if they don't know God, night to night it pours forth speech. Everyone can kind of see this and get amazed by it. There's another revelation that's contrasted. Even in a lot of translations, you see a, a break. That's a good idea. It says there's nothing, and you're just kind of wrapped up in this description of the sun and what it means. And then he says this. You could almost add but, or yet, maybe would be a good translation, but that would be maybe too much. But yet, the law of the Lord is perfect, blameless. There's nothing wrong with it. When people look at the sun, you know what some people do? They worship the sun, and that's wrong. While general revelation is an amazing thing, and it speaks of his glory, it doesn't speak us that we should not worship the creation. But the Torah, the law of the Lord, as we're reading here, there's nothing wrong with it. It will not lead us away from God. In every way, it's the only reliable thing. You guys have lived long enough that there's not much in this world that's reliable. 100%. Nobody, no person, no other source of truth, as long as they're not seeing what the law of the Lord says, as long as they're not faithful then. And then in this, he talks about what the law of the Lord does. Now, remember, this is David. He doesn't have Paul's letter. He doesn't have much idea of who Messiah is. He has some, and probably Psalm 110 shows that he maybe knows a little bit more than we might think. But what he has now, he probably doesn't have First and Second Samuel. <laughs> his life hasn't been lived out yet. And maybe there's some chronicle as he's going along, but there's not much. First five books of the Bible. This is what he's talking about. And think how much more we have, how much we see, even more than old David. And he says it's perfect. What's the effect on the soul? It revives the soul. Who we are, the nefesh, who we are on the inside and the outside. When God made us, he breathed into our body and we became a living soul. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The simple here is not someone who's dumb. Uh, the term here in Hebrew just means someone who's not very experienced in life and ends up making dumb decisions. <laughs> and he can help you. He can revive what's dead and who you are. He can make you from someone who bobbles around in life to know what life is all about, to know the world around you. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure. There's nothing evil mixed with it. It's all good. It's all trustworthy. You don't have to filter it out going, mm, don't know about that bit. Like you have to do with other kind of books, right? You, have to, you should do that with other books. But this you don't. You orient yourself completely different to this where you go, if I don't understand it or if it seems strange or bad, that means probably I need to change. <laughs> with other books, I go, that book's rotten at that part. Maybe there's some good bit there. I don't do that with the Bible, and nor should we, nor does David want us to. It's all pure. We orient ourselves to it. Amen. And it says, right. verse 9, um, sorry, 8, uh, sorry, 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring, enduring forever, honoring and knowing the Lord, trusting him. We learn about that from the Bible. It's a pure thing. It's clean. There's nothing that's defiling about that, knowing who God is. If you kind of fear certain kinds of things or put your trust in other kinds of things, it makes you dirty. <laughs> if, if, if you put your trust in anything, idols will make you dirty. That's the nature of who they are. And they turn our hearts away. If we, it's a new thing for me. I'm looking at building a house. Now I have all these temptations to go, I need to make sure that I have a big enough house. It's, <laughs> that, can, that can bring you to ruin if you think that way. And so I'm working through this new thing. But the Bible's not that way. If you devote yourself completely to the Lord, it's something that actually makes you right. It doesn't screw you up more. It doesn't make you defiled more. And he says, more desired. He says, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous forever, altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired than, than gold. It's much more fine gold. Um, the way of the world, all the stuff that my friend who passed away, just be given away. Given away. He, he wasn't terribly rich or anything, but if he was, it's still going to be given away, distributed among someone. We all know that. We've all seen that. But these things last forever. Knowing him lasts forever, for he is forever. And this is not the end. It's not the end. As I always like to tell my children, we're not in a tragedy. It's not the story of our lives. We're in a comedy. You know what happens in a comedy, right? You get hitched at the end. There's a wedding. There's joy forever. We're in a comedy. It says, moreover, then by your servant is warned. Keeping them there is great reward. This life right now is dangerous. And devoting yourselves to idols will just bring you to ruin. There's actual warning here. And then... This, the healthy distrust in verse 12. I'm just kind of rolling through this. Who can discern his errors? Isn't that, that's an interesting thing. There's, 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 there's a sense in which we can see some wrong things about us. And then if you live long enough in the Christian life, you learn that you don't always see the things that are wrong with you. And a, and a good amount of humility. If I could say when I lived in Bangui, some of my anger and problems with that, I didn't really see it. And someone helped me, and God's word helped me, and my friends helped me, my boss helped me, my wife helped me, um, my counselor, the person I talked with, helped me. And that we need God's word, and we need each other, because we don't see what we ought to see. And that there's a good amount of, even if we've been around a long time, we still need each other. 
who can discern his error? He says, declare me. So he prays to God, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So he looks to God as the one who can help, the one that we need, paired with his word, with his people, together, for each other. And he says, then I shall be blameless. It doesn't mean that he'll be perfect. It kind of clarifies that actually in the next phrase. He says, I'm innocent of great transgression. We're talking about that in church this morning. The sins that lead to death. And is this, are we on a way that our life is characterized that we're just heading towards destruction by the choices we make? Or are we heading towards eternal life? Is there things that we're messing up along the way, but in the end, we're, we're still loving the Lord? Our orientation is towards him? We need help in our lives? Or are we turning away? Are we just in great transgression, habitual, don't give a rip, indifferent to God and his word? God's word can help you with that. It can show you people like that. and warn you. Lots of stories, <laughs> poems, uh, proverbs, uh, parables. In every which way, he's trying to get you because he loves you and he wants you to turn to him. And in all of this response, we see and ended up in verse 14. He culminates this with everything of who he thinks, not just on the outside, which is to let the words of my mouth, which kind of show who you are. Uh, nothing slips. You know, if you kind of hit your thumb with a hammer and like, oh, let's, you know, let loose a, an interesting word or two. Or in a moment of anger, you say something like, well, it just slipped. Did it? <laughs> Jesus says, out of the heart, you know, out of the heart, right, close these things. So, so, so it's there. So he wants what you say, but David is also praying after having this effect with married with the God's word and how it can affect us and what it speaks to us the way we need to become in following him. It says, even my thoughts, even the things that I'm thinking about in my heart, the inner me, may they be acceptable. And that's the goal. Become know him more and more. Not because he's an evil taskmaster, because that's the greatest joy. And he says, oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The redeemer, the one who's bought you back. You're kind of in slavery, and then you've been bought back. And that's the kind of thing. And I'll just finish real quick with just a warning. <laughs> or not a warning, just a reminder, I guess I should say. At the end of verse 11, he says, in keeping them, that is, the, the words, the rules, the law, there is great reward. And that's... Um, if you actually, if we're actually honest about our lives, that's kind of frightening because there's lots of warnings because, frankly, none of us have kept the law, have we? Did David keep the law very well? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, big failure, right? The great hero of the Bible had some significant failures, murder and adultery and conspiracy and all sorts of interesting things that David did. It was terrible. And then he says, in keeping them, there's great reward. Maybe some say, well, maybe he wrote that before Bathsheba. Well, no. And I think our ultimate hope is in one, in another revelation of God that was also called the Word of God, who came and kept the law perfectly and is the revelation of God 
by himself being God, Jesus, who came and kept the law for us and actually took the wrath, all those warnings that we see in here, your servants are warned of all the terrible judgment that may fall on you if you do not keep this law. And it fell on him. And so that we might be treated as if we had lived one who has kept perfectly the law, our Savior, the word of God. And so that's kind of what we are looking for, to kind of kick you guys off on your missions emphasis that the whole world may know. And as Paul actually quotes in Romans, I think Romans 10, this passage, when he uses the general revelation in verse 2, day-to-day poor speech, um, no, no, their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And, and he describes how the gospel is going out now that Jesus has come. And he kind of uses the general revelation to talk about how the gospel has gone out. And people are starting to hear, and the nations are starting to believe. And he's really excited about that. And the ends of the earth are hearing. And we just go out, and we share the good news, and we share the word. Because that's the power that we need, and that's the thing that can change lives. And it can change the world's hearts. And it is. And God's doing it. So um, I, I would say that's about it. Um, maybe I can pray with it. And I'll let you guys continue after that. Lord, we echo the prayer written down, not even in English, but we're thankful we have it in English. So many thousands of years ago, we say the same prayer in our efforts for missions, in our efforts to follow you more, in our work, in our families, and our friends. Um, may the words of our mouths and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord our rock and our redeemer.